to the ground. We're back. Another week. Another great guest. We got longtime friend of the pod, Erica, aka Charbel, making her debut appearance. What's up, Erica? It's so nice to be here. I was kind of wondering if before we started, if I should be like when Andrew used to come on our podcast and he would like forget that he was on the podcast <laughs> and he would just <laughs> listen. Yo, I do that here too. There's don't. a couple times I do it. Don't There's a couple think times I Andrew don't. forgets he's on this podcast too. I'm only 90% here. You know, as soon as I stopped smoking weed, all of a sudden the podcast got a lot more exciting. So, <laughs> But now you're back to smoking weed again, right? I mean, not before episodes, bro. Right. I'm sharp like as a, I'm sharp sharp as a, a something that's real sharp. <laughs> you're whip smart right now. Yeah. Uh, not any of my, my kitchen knives, that's for sure. <laughs> I just got a new kitchen knife because it was marked down like 75% on Amazon. And I was What'd like, well, why, why not get a what new chef's knife? For eight dollars, yeah. What'd you get? I don't know. It's some weird Amazon Chinese basics. company. Yeah, mm, <laughs> essentially those are the best ones. So, oh, funny enough, I think I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but Erica also knows this because she thinks it's really funny. Um, I used to wear the same chaps blue Oxford shirt like every single day. Like I had a dozen of them. I think Erica one time took a picture of my closet. Yeah. Um, a lot of girls in my DMs wanting to meet you after that. You know what? You didn't send them my way at all. You <laughs> <laughs> told me, hey, there's I a lot of girls know. interested. And you're like, I'm yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. Kind of, what kind of girls like, oh, a guy with a uniform? Sign me up. <laughs> One that I, I don't, I mean, like, you know what they say about that, like, psych ward, grippy sock. Mm. That, oh, kind yeah. of, that kind of yeah woman. it's better I don't know you, if you really you, want that you gate kept them from me i appreciate yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> what interesting uh, wording Daniel. i know i know uh, i guess yeah maybe we should uh, plugs plugs off the top we got a shirt right now uh you know figured 100 episodes plus in we should uh make some merch but uh yeah speaking of gatekeeping we have our gatekeep harder pocket tee coming out pre-orders are up now i'm sure there'll be a link in the description comfort colors pocket mm. tea mm. some people will buy it nerds just because out of hardcore yep yep just because it's comfort colors i think is, is a good enough reason to buy it and everyone loves a pocket tea so uh erica saw a preview of it what do you think it's pretty nice how I many are like you buying it's it's hard being a woman with breasts we need a we pocket. need a hard number <laughs> right now you need Don't to commit I to it know it <laughs> uh i uh, guess maybe like seven like one se- for each okay, day of the right. week we we will we we do have a discount code for patreon subscribers so if you're a patreon subscriber keep an eye out for that if you aren't you're getting like half your monthly money back in that discount alone so not a bad deal and uh but yeah so keep an eye out for that but erica it's good to have you uh, as you mentioned before, we we used to have an old podcast together. Uh, we we documented changes within ourselves that were vast and in the world <laughs> of over really. the course it of time. Was, it was an exercise in extreme narcissism that I loved <laughs> to listen to. In <laughs> fact, one of my first podcast ideas was I was going to do a Have a Nice Life wrap up podcast every week. <laughs> So I was going to listen to the episode and then, and then sort of, you know, I was really into like those rewatch podcasts yep. around that time. Again, so you were saying about an exercise like in narcissism. Good. Oh yeah. <laughs> Taking our podcast and making it about yourself. Yeah. Daniel, I, wow. I'm not, I never said that I'm immune. 
main <laughs> <That's> character. <laughs> but no, we uh, yeah, th- that was an interesting time that we started the podcast. Um, it's very it was funny. A messy we- time. Yeah, well, me and yeah, for all Andrew, for us and for the world, exactly. Me and Andrew have never done an episode in person, and it's almost easier to do them over Zoom at this point. And you know, we for some reason you made me dr- like take the train to Bed Stuy. <laughs> You're I living was thinking in New about York. How, like the the bitchiest thing I did was you would get there early, and I'd be like, "No, you can't come." Oh, yet. oh my god, I forgot about <laughs> that. Oh so my okay. God. <laughs> Erica, That's so, awful. so I live in Jersey City. Erica was <laughs> I living to in unwind after work. The no. beautiful neighborhood of Bed Stuy, <laughs> across from the Bed Stuy Applebee's, lovely yeah. location. Uh, Applebee's adjacent, and I would bust I'd my ass. It was like a, it was like I an hour fifteen train out there, <laughs> and I'd have to wait for Erica to get home from work. I'd get there around mm. what was it seven o'clock? I guess. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. I got there any moment before 7 p.m., Erica would make me like sit on the bench with the crackheads across the street <laughs> <laughs> until she was I unwound think, enough afterwards. Can I be honest? I think this is more your failure than hers. How so? I think because it, it, you're it's not like because you're not interesting enough to come up with something else <laughs> to do. What the fuck else am I supposed to do? Well, I feel I don't like, know, you man. Know. You just said it was Applebee's adjacent. You could have gone and had dollar Long Islands. Like that one that location didn't do I don't want to everything we at that location oh, was like seventy five percent markup. Ooh, that's like, a, that's no good. It, we got burgers there and it was like twenty bucks. I think literally that's not, that's one of not what you want. One of the first episodes we recorded a full episode, found out that the episode didn't record properly. <laughs> went across the street to get Applebee's that we were really looking forward to, and then got immediately sick. <laughs> and then we—I don't even think we tried to re-record the the episode. I think we just like said we'll we'll do this another day. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad time. But what what was interesting that happened is um, about three months into starting the podcast, COVID happened, <laughs> and it became this really weird documentation of uh, of the COVID times. And, uh, yeah, and, and things changed dramatically. <laughs> you escaped New York at one point I while did. being sick with COVID. In an eye patch. <laughs> Wait, I forget about the eye patch. What was the eye patch for? Because I was like, I dropped a vase on the ground and it like shattered and a little shard of glass got in my eye. So I had to wear an eye patch. <laughs> I forgot about that aspect. And it was literally like the movie Escape from New York. <laughs> <laughs> i mean you you were the like maybe the first person i knew who had COVID. like you got it well funny enough i was recording the podcast with you in person <laughs> uh and then that episode again mysteriously did not record properly <laughs> we- was that when we had to go and get the that like little dongle and well, people were riding their cars around the barclay center like they were like bumper cars yeah yeah yeah. well that that, that happened after we we recorded an episode on thursday of like that week before and then something fucked up where like my audio was never actually plugged in or something (laughs) 
You were the producer on that podcast. So I have to say. It sounds like you guys were bad at doing a podcast. by technical difficulties, yes. Our podcast just were sounded excellent for it's the fine. tools we had compared to what most other big podcasts sound like. The times that it recorded properly. Yeah. Yes, yes. When we were managed to get a clean, <laughs> a clean cut, a clean take episode. Uh, but yeah, I came back on a Sunday, which was even harder to get to Bed-Stuy on a Sunday. And oh. yeah, we drove around in your car. You you were sick. We were driving around in your car. We had to go to Best Buy to get a dongle. Um, and then you made me dinner, I believe. Mm, it might have even nice. been. Was it the night that you made me dinner and then dropped an entire pepper, like glass pepper yes. glass thing in the sink? <laughs> A lot of broken glass in that apartment, I have to say. Erica made me dinner and was rinsing the pot. Well, not rinsing, but draining the pasta in the sink. And then was peppering the pasta as it drained for some reason. And then you dropped the the glass pepper shaker right into the sink, which shattered glass all over our dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Wow. Bad at podcasting, bad at cooking. You guys just nailed it right off the bat. But... Erica, did, Erica was sick for like a month, and I didn't get COVID from that somehow. Yeah, built different. But there is a very funny episode where um, you're complaining that you have a sinus uh, infection where you can't <laughs> smell or taste. <laughs> and this is like four months before that became actual symptoms people like were having. They should have studied you. They should have locked you up in a lab somewhere. People are going to study this podcast before the next pandemic. <laughs> it will be the blueprint. Yeah. Oh man, but yeah, good times. Andrew was on a couple episodes. He was a fan favorite. Uh, Andrew, Who what was your fans? <laughs> People are clamoring you to have and you back. Steven. Yeah, yep. it's just Steven. It's the only one I can think of. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, no, we had um, who do we have on? Uh, Jordan. Jordan on, yeah. Another another, another graduate of gonna, the how long of the we're uh, not gonna talk about. <laughs> we haven't had him on yet, but I've been debating. But we had, uh, yeah, we had Jordan on, who's it's part of the, uh, you know, the run to the ground family. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 fun. But mm. yeah, that was a long time, and it, it kind of culminated with uh, when you came on the trip to Central Pennsylvania with us. That was true. That was that kind was, of the beginning uh, of the end, I think. You know, sometimes I gotta I gotta learn my lessons the hard way. I'll go on record saying that Dan is right about everything. And that's something that do not do that this is not the place for that that was this is absolutely not the place for that no continue to to continue to tell me how right i was yeah yeah let's let's gas dan up oh my god your fashion sense you had one shirt for a while congratulations (laughs) asshole oh the reason i brought that up actually is because i bought an amazon basics blue oxford shirt and it also fit well so aren't all of your shirts just the same shirt with a different crest i'm sure it it is yeah Aren't all your shirts now just like custom uh, red cap shirts? I do have a lot of custom red cap shirts. I I just picked up two more. So you have a you have a little prince quote one, right? Little prince, what? Yeah, you're a fucking dork. I've I've never read the little prince. Well, you're an adult. I should hope not. (laughs) What are you accusing me of? It's hard to say anymore, but Uh, I'm just gonna roll with it. The 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 Sartre quote. The French one? Is that Hell's the one you're other referring people? to? Yeah. Is Very that existential child. Yeah, how did you say that? Sartar. 
Oh my God! You illiterate piece of shit! <laughs> I've only seen it written. I mean, I'm going to be Sartre. honest. I don't know how I would say it, but I know it's, it wouldn't be like that. Jean-Paul Sartre. 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 Yeah, but it's got I an mean, R. Could, it's got an R E on the end, right? Don't you it's, turn it's that French? Into, yeah. So, That's I'm not French. I'm a little French, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! As what a, a time! A little French, as a <laughs> I get to be a so little French. How was everybody's day? <laughs> <laughs> Are you teeing us up to a specific day that you had? You can go first. No, I'm. I could tell you all about the <clears throat> the mundane goings on at the uh, radio station, but that's not fun for anybody. No, no, no. I'm also covered in mosquito bites, and I'm if you, if I've ever needed a wellness check, I think it's gonna be tonight because oh, no. I want to blow my fucking brains out. Like, Andrew, everything sucks. Andrew was a great guest on maybe a landmark episode of the old podcast where oh, uh, my breakup about this, episode. Huh? Oh, yeah. Dan, do you know I think about that almost daily? <laughs> you think about it. You think more about my old relationship than you it's do about still, your own. It's still <laughs> the most insane thing that's ever happened to somebody I know. And we are not going to rehash it on this podcast. I mean, I, I will we've say there's like a little moment of like synchromysticism happening because... I saw, like, for some reason, someone that I follow on Instagram posted a photo at the Phoenicia Diner, and I, I thought mm. of you. <laughs> I was like, oh, That was back when things you, were still good, I, you know? Whenever I think about uh, botanical gardens, I immediately think of you. <laughs> God, what a fucking asshole. Oh, man. Yeah, that is really funny. If anybody wants to know the whole story, just DM me off. <laughs> I'll feed you yeah. the entire yeah, thing. You, you can tell my story for me. I'll, oh I'll tell God, you my life rights. <laughs> I think that I think that I'm gonna write a a novel about your experience <laughs> and put it out on Rose Books. Do the Dan you Bassini s- reality bus tour like on Seinfeld. Oh All the location. Oh, you gotta man. go down to DC, the Ace Hotel. You see, her, you see her re- recorded all of my like anxious phone calls from that era. Mm. All at the front of the uh, at the Dan Bassini memory tour bus is a hot dog roller um, <laughs> and like plain seltzer. No, you don't like plain seltzer, do you? I I got plain seltzer straight right here. from the Soda Stream. Yeah. Oh, a Soda Stream. Yeah, even better, even better. That's, that's you more... know, I've recently started using my Soda Stream, and, and it's like, what a dream come true. It it really is, uh, you know, B- BDS all day. But uh... <laughs> I was gonna say, a cab includes the Soda Stream. <laughs> but it is like my most used kitchen appliance ever. So I, I mean, did, I would say I mine's like probably like a stove or I something. I've but. never yeah. used the oven in my house. I use the stove, but I don't use the stove as much as my soda stream. Wait, you've, soda never, stream you've never made like a frozen pizza? No. I'm not poor. Oh, my God. <laughs> you don't think that there's times that like a DiGiorno hits better than anything else could possibly hit? No, I gotta say no. I've, That's I've, crazy talk. I never. I didn't grow up in a DiGiorno household. Mm-hmm. Neither did I. Elio's I became, maybe the DiGiorno life found me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I gotta say, Andrew, you did introduce me to Seven Eleven taquitos. 
Whoa. way back in your New York days. Oh boy, we Let's got them on the about... what was it on the 14th Street, Seven uh, Eleven. I used to stop. There was a Seven Eleven right next on Eighth uh, Ave. Fifth Avenue, sorry. Up, oh. uh, next to the Flatiron building. Yeah. That was my normal uh, Sev. If that I needed another one. That used to be my one, Sev. Yeah, it's a good Sev. Yeah, I would, my first I, office was right by there. Every once in a while, there was a Sev off the L if you got off at Larimer. Mm. Yeah, right? I, think, I think we right popped the into the one on like 14th and 1st or 14th and 2nd, I think, over that way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, we were, we're sure, having sure, a nice sure. little New York, a New York afternoon. Oh my god, as as you should, you know. And uh, you know, it's, it's a it's, subway day. I have never recovered. <laughs> I had them the other day. It's, um, I um, none of them are good here. Really? All the Seven Elevens are bad. All we the taquitos are bad. How are they bad? No. Um. What makes it bad? You know, I think that I think that there's an uncaring person that just throws things on the rollers with like no regard to what happens to them while they're on the roller. Okay. What could? Ha- uh, I'm I mean, sorry, but what could happen to them on the roller <laughs> aside from the fact that they just get like rolled? Well, I think like if you're not paying attention, eventually they stop rolling. Like the grease comes out so much, they just get stuck. Um. And also, there needs to be proper heat applied. I found that, like, hot dog machines always on point. The roller, hot dog roller is always on point. I feel like the taquino hot roller dog needs to be, like... The lubricant. I mean, hot oh dog is a perfect cylinder, you know? Taquitos have some meat is hot dog. Damn, speaking... I hate to keep bringing the, the podcast back, but that has, like, entered the zeitgeist again. My favorite meat is hot dog. Because he's right. Wait, is that not a new clip? No, no. Mitt, Mitt Romney oh. said that like when he was running for president, however many years ago, he said what my favorite meat man. is hot dog. And honestly, I th- if he said that in 2023, he may have my vote. <laughs> 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 I've become a single issue voter, and it is on hot dog politics. <laughs> it's hot dogs. It's hot dogs. It's hot you, dogs. Think, you, you think Romney has ever called it a glizzy? You think he's into that? I, I think that would be very golfer. Mormon of him. The old glizzy gobbler. <laughs> Uh, Dan, I think you should know this this year at the um, at our family Fourth of July party. My dad made hamburgers and hot dogs, and he was like happy. <laughs> we should go back because Erica's family had a super spreader event, peak COVID, Fourth of July, no hamburgers or hot dogs. Yeah, it was. What was chicken? There was a, a lot of smoked meats. There's a chili, I think, right? I don't know. On We're not a grill? chili family. But yeah, there was no hot dog, or, no no hamburgs or hot doggies at all. Sacrilegious. Erica was smoking it, a cigar. It, it was very unsettling. My family <laughs> talks about it all the time, though. Like every time my dad makes a hot dog, he's like, "You gonna tell Dan about this?" <laughs> and you don't. <laughs> Why don't you tell me these things? <laughs> Why aren't you passing along your gatekeeping, your weird uh, neurodivergent friends? You're gatekeeping your dad's comments when he's thinking about me. Wait, are you are you the neurodivergent friend? No. Oh, all the ones in then. Erica's DMs about my my blue shirts. Oh, right, yeah. right, 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 right. What happened to all those all those shirts, Dan? Uh, they yeah. eventually wear out. You know, you you sweat in them a little too much. You get a little. 
little discoloration on the collar, you gotta toss them. I wear them to weddings. Like, I can't wear that shit to weddings, you know? Mm. But, uh, hopefully I'll be back on top, you know? I also can't wear a shirt that says, pack your fistful of hate and take a swing at the world to a wedding either, so... <laughs> I do need some, uh, some more wedding-appropriate shirts again. Maybe, Maybe you're just not brave enough to do wear it. it too. <laughs> Maybe I'll just be a black polo shirt guy. I'll mm, just wear production blacks vibe. everywhere. It's a bad vibe. I'll, I'll get black some black Air Force shirt. Ones. Black mm-hmm. polo shirt is like big, like suburban diner energy. Is it? I was going to say like most... it's like like aging hardcore guy. Oh. Button it all the way to the top. Yeah, you know? the Fred Perry. <laughs> yeah. Is, is buttoning a polo all the way up to the top not a thing anyone should do? I think it's right wing coded now. Oh Damn. fuck! You gotta take the red laces out of your Doc Martens too. <laughs> oh, or else it's giving fash. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No wonder I've attracted the kind of friends I have at work. <laughs> you work in the media, right? Mm hmm. Bunch of liars, thieves, and liars, Dan. Yep. The the fake news media. <laughs> I mean, if there, if there ever was one. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, Erica, you make music now, right? That I do. You pivoted your podcast microphone into a music microphone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's something I always did, and then I didn't do it for a long time, and then I started again. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, it's pretty good. Thank you. I love that. I I know you're like a you're, a tough Dan tough has crowd. always ridden hard for your music. Uh, I remember whatever the last thing you you or the Dan sent me. He was like, "Oh my god, this is so good!" And I listened, and I was like, "I wouldn't have mixed it this way, but it's good." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, oh, wow. was it was it something that? Okay, so my ex-husband used to mix stuff and then now i mix stuff and i think i think it's probably way better now that you've taken full control of your artistic expression can you can we talk a little bit about your influences because that's what i'm interested in sure damn why don't you do you want to play it while we talk about it play some charbel yeah yeah, let's hear it while we talk about it is that a is that a weird thing erica I mean, I guess it depends on as long as it's not like the talking track from my album. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I hope it's the talking track that. from your album now. <laughs> Is that you just moved your head and I think I saw Jesus. Oh, no, it's a Taliban. <laughs> oh, same thing. All right. Uh, OK, here on. we go. My favorite sharp, sharp, sharp <laughs> song. All right, here we go. Be there Wait, the no, this is the first ring, one on the, uh, ring, 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 this is the first ring, song on the top of your playlist. Is this ring, not the one? Yeah. Ring, 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 ring. Is this the one you were talking about? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I wrote this when I was going through a really tough breakup. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually, I would respect your, you know. It's not something to joke respect. about, is it? Yeah. Oh, no, we can joke so about sorry. my breakup, but we can't joke about yours. Okay. <laughs> I get yeah, it. Yeah, but yours is, yours is funny and heartbreaking <laughs> at the same time. Like, I feel bad for you, but I'm also like, this is a great story I get to tell for the rest of my life. <laughs> you were, you are, you were a major part of it. I was a, 
minor part. <laughs> oh boy. Alright. I'm gonna play this song oh. here. Oh yeah, this one. Oh, a little bit of that Cassio tone, little beat going on there. The little drum. Are we just gonna sit here quietly and listen? I don't I don't I don't really what do you want me to say about it? Walk us through your process. Where do you get your ideas from? So I guess Previously, I had been writing music to help me through a, a string of bad relationships, I guess you could say. How um, long is that string? Like 10 years. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of material. So yeah. a decade's worth of failure. Continue. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And um, it kind of all like coalesced. Is that the right word? Last summer. Um, when I was, it was actually kind of interesting. So my album was written almost in real time. I pretty much wrote it and then released it. And I was deep in the throes of everything while I was writing it. And it became this exercise and just like synthesizing through my feelings and synthesizing through the keyboard as well. Exactly. Um, you know, very heavy on synths. Um, mm. and it just became like therapy for me almost. Um, and then that particular song that Dan played um, after my album, I was like, I'm just going to take a break for like six months and not write anything. Just kind of sit on that. But that didn't last long because um, like literally the day that the first single came out, I met the person that I'm currently dating and it kind of just turned everything on its head. And I was I realized that I'd been making music because I was sad or to cope um, when, you know, it could also be something that I could do to, you know, celebrate or, you know, verbalize things that I couldn't quite find the words for. Um, so I started a new project where I would just write a song every month and work on it. And that's why it's all kind of like, it's a little bit scrappy because they're all, you know, written like a month apart and it's about falling in love. And the first couple songs are a little bit about like the anxieties and the apprehensions of falling in love because you know it's what happens when you get older and then it kind of like takes a turn but that particular song is about like and this is well documented in my podcast with dan and my life on the internet i just get kind of crazy when i'm in relationships and that was sort of my like <laughs> one biggest reason why i was holding back in this most recent one uh but it's been good so far. Can you think of parallels between your life as a songwriter and your relationships? Oh, yeah. I Do you think that maybe, I mean, I don't want to put words. You know what? I'm going to let you talk. I don't need to. I don't need to talk over you. I'm sorry. No, well, actually, could you clarify that a little bit? I feel like no, I guess because I was like, I don't know. I think I think a lot of people fail at both because they don't know how to get started what the right way to get started for them is. Um, and I like, you know what I mean? Like I, I know a lot of really talented musicians who put out garbage for years because they just couldn't find their voice. And I think that there's also a parallel there to relationships. And now that I've just fed you an answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think that I, I agree with that, but I think it also comes with like, 
there's sort of a vulnerability that comes along with putting music out. So in my case, I don't know if it was necessarily I wasn't liking what I was doing or I didn't have like the conviction to do it. It was more like I never stopped writing, but I didn't have the vulnerability to put it out there because it was almost like I was using all of that vulnerability on these relationships that were just kind of like, you know, you got to get that back. And if you don't, mm. it's just sort of... It, it almost feels more like vanity than vulnerability. Sure. Do you think uh, that's that's one thing that's always interesting with with some songwriters too? Um, just the idea of like people who can only they like lock themselves into a headspace of I can only write when I'm what you know devastated or hurt or people I can only write when I'm happy or in a certain like very. Uh, <clears throat> You know, very tethered to a specific headspace that you kind of get locked in. And uh, is that something like that you feel like you've happened to do? Because you said, you know, it's, it was your coping mechanism for going through tough times. And now you've been able to pivot that into like conveying the good times. And I feel like that's yeah. not something like a lot of people can do. Yeah, I would say for a really long time, I could only write when I was depressed. And I think in a sense, not to get too deep with this, but it almost kept me wanting to be depressed because it was the only way I could really. Um, it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy almost where it's like, you know, I don't know how to express myself in this way or really any way when I'm happy and when I'm, you know, making you know making myself the victim or you know actual bad things that are happening to me that's where I find I like have to do this so I guess yeah this recent project has been an exercise in um trying to crawl out of that and I mean I'm I'm doing you know other things in my personal life to keep me on the good foot but I think that was a major step forward being able to be like I could still tap into this creative side of myself even if I'm not like you know really really down in the dumps constantly yeah and that that I feel like is always the problem like what was the thing with like Kanye who kept like talking about going off of his like heavy depression meds to be more creative quote-unquote yeah and it just led to being like so much far worse off you know <laughs> Yeah, I was watching the um, Control, the Ian Curtis like biopic, mm -hmm. and it's it's crazy. Like it's such a trope. These creatives who are just tortured, and you kind of wonder like it's almost like they sacrifice themselves on the altar of art because they created these beautiful, profound things, but it came at the risk of their sanity or their lives. And it's kind of like you have to make a decision: do you want to do that? Or yeah. do you want to be happy? And for me, it's like, not a lot of people are going to hear my music. <laughs> I don't need to, like, flagellate myself to be artistic. So, yeah. Well, that is, like, the trope of the, yeah, the tortured artist. And, I mean, there are a lot of people who, you know, the, the old aspect of, like, burning so bright and then just kind of, like, burning out. Like, you know, and it's it's just one of those things where so many people do have, like, this thing in them that makes them so different and so set apart that they create these things but like people like that like can't exist in society <laughs> you know like no. it's usually at the, the the failings of like every other aspect that like oh like keeps you in society you know yeah and it's i think it's just always going to be 
something. And I think that's why so much art sucks right now because mm. we're living in a time of, you know, excess. And even like going to New York, I was in New York a couple of weeks ago. And it's like a lot of this art is just like bad because it's kids that are like, oh, if I don't do this, my trust fund's going to get taken away from me. <laughs> and there's not like, I'm not saying that art has to be made of struggle, but I think it's really obvious when people make art for other people versus making art for themselves, whether well, there, it's music or visual or writing, poetry, whatever you want to. There is an inauthenticity in that does come through when you just like look a little harder than the base level, you know? And that's why yeah. like there's so much horrible pop art adjacent stuff now that is in all of <clears throat> any of the, like the main street kind of galleries in new york right now it's all like ironic but well, not all in a like, clever way just in a way that's like been the alec monopoly the bullshit of like here's the monopoly man is. with dollar signs for eyes holding a big bag of money <laughs> and isn't that what he is normally i mean yeah it's that's true that's a good point He's a landlord, like, you know? Here, the Monopoly guy symbolizes capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's like the Alc Monopoly thing is like, it symbolizes capitalism in like a way they believe is positive. You know? Like, hell I, yeah. Get that I, bag. Do you <laughs> the, know? The girl boss Monopoly guy. <laughs> do you know where we went wrong? We went wrong by letting street art people get famous. Mm. Yes. I think I think letting street art people um, become fine artists like yeah. ruined fine art. Big and mistake. I, You're you know what I mean? And I'm not saying right. I'm not saying that like, you know, I like I th a Banksy stuff is is nice to look at. You know what I mean? It's cool and I get it, you know. Um, but like um, it's just like, I feel so, like some of that stuff. I feel like even Banksy has like looked at what he has wrought and like <laughs> wrings his hands occasionally. Like even it's got to be you know because there's just so much like the weird consumerism pop art that's out there. That uh, there's a really terrible gallery. It's on like gr maybe Grand and like print. Uh, no, Grand and. Green Street, maybe, or Wooster Street. Terrible gallery in Soho. That's all that shit. It's all Alc Monopoly. It's all pictures of, like, Bugs Bunny with, like, a and gold cause. chain. Yeah, like, mm. cause shit. Cause is, cause, like, the, the yeah. highest selling modern artist. It's so fucking And it's stupid. all yeah, it's so dumb. terrible shit I mean, that can just I, get turned into, like, an acrylic figurine. Dude you know a real artist? Dude with sign. Dude, dude with sign is. I like to think of him as a poet, you know? Yeah, the, a warrior um, poet, a multi-hyphenate. <laughs> we used to do. We used to have a nanny share with a family who was really into like street art, Ugh. like in their home. Um, and there, there was always a lot of like it's just house stuff art that looks that like point. it was from deviant art, like oh. sort of half <laughs> half anime, half uh, like spray paint CGI. I yep. don't know. It was real awful awful bullshit well, now those people um, are all into ai art like people who never oh. had a creative bone in their body who can now like quote unquote make yeah, art of their because, own it's so bad yeah because all you have to do is feed some shit look yeah. somebody said something the other day that i i have not been able to stop thinking about when they were talking about artists and they were saying you know if you're a visual artist um draw something or paint something and whatever the worst aspect of it that's your style 
Mm. You know what I mean? Whatever yeah. you can't do right, that becomes your style. Uh, I can't it's the same mix thing good, so my style yeah, so is poorly mixed. Perfect. It's called you lo-fi. Know. It's actually a, a no, choice. I, and I think like somebody said the same thing about musicians. Like, you know, if you want to start a band and you want to start a band because you want to sound like something, you're never actually going to sound like that. Yeah. And like the places where you fail at sounding like that, that's your style. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, that's I've, I've actually never heard that. And and I I it's fucked with me this whole time. Like I for the first time in a long time, I like am in a position where I can play music. You know, I've I've met people here that that want to do that. And I'm like, this is great. I'm so excited. But now I have to play music and it's it's terrifying. Like it's something that I love doing that I'm so bad at that I'm like you know, it was easier when I was like, yeah, man, uh, I just don't know anybody here. You know, nobody wants to play. <laughs> I would rather hear a musician that's bad, like, or maybe not bad. No, but that's not the last thing I want to hear. Technically <laughs> <Yeah>. impressive, <laughs> but can like get the basics down and is earnest about it than someone who's like a virtuoso without yeah, any like, you know, that's every record that's ever it. been important to me is yeah. like somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Who like you know what I mean? I I can't think of the amount of times I've played with people who were so such amazing musicians, but when it came time to like, here's here's four chords. Can you play something that makes sense over this? And it was like never worked out. Well, that, that's yeah, that's the big difference between like passion and like technicality, you know. And there is something that is so earnest about someone who has something inside them that they're so desperate to get out that mm -hmm. it just comes out in whatever way that it happens. And yeah. I mean, that's, that's shit. Like I, I love, one of my favorite pictures is like the, you know, the picture of Lana Del Rey with Daniel Johnston. <laughs> Daniel Johnston's like smoking a cigarette, wearing like elastic bottom sweatpants, you know, and like Velcro shoes. But like, again, it's like someone who, just had something to say that they just had to say it and it became its own style all within itself, you know? And like, that's compulsion, like, I, I, mean, I think, is many, a heavy aspect of music I enjoy. How many people have we talked to who were like, I started playing because um, I had like two tape decks and that's how I figured out how to do like multi track recording? Like, yeah. didn't JP say that? I say that's Justin Pearson. I, I call him JP. <laughs> you're, you're, you're we're all friends JP. now, it's but, friends. Uh, but yeah, you know what I mean. I feel like that's a common thing. But that was the same um, shit with um, with Dwid. Was it necessity breeds invention? Yeah, or boredom yeah. breeds yeah. invention too. Yeah, and 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 the 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 lack of tools is what cr makes creativity. Like I don't want to say like Bon Iver is a genius, but like to craft a record that's that important to so many people on like. A guitar and yeah. you know loneliness. I mean, I I think is I do most you know, of my best work as a like working within restrictions. Sorry, I, I realized I cut you off, but I saw a gap. No, I'd rather talk board. about you, Dan. Thank Come you, on. <laughs> Erica. Tell everyone how right I am all the time. Me. Dan's right about everything all the time. <laughs> it kind of like I know that this is very gauche. It's like very five below aesthetic, but. That's why I think the Velvet Underground is so important because with the exception of John Cale, who's, you know, a genius, like none of them know what they were doing. Mo Tucker yeah. was like, I'm going to put this 
kick drum on its side and just like mm-hmm. And everyone you else know. is just like, I'm I feel so high on heroin right yeah, now. Yeah, he's <laughs> just like banging away on a guitar like, heroin, what's that with that, guys? It's like the Seinfeld I mean, of I, I, the avant-garde I feel the same scene. way. I feel the same way about Sonic Youth. Uh, yeah. That's a bunch of people who could barely play who were All just like... All those weird tunings that yeah, ended up yeah, just yeah. being iconic. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, you know... I love music when everyone sounds like they're just playing a different song. Yeah. As long as you start and stop at the same time, you're fine. That's all that matters. There's mosquitoes in here. That's why I keep, like, waving my hands wildly. (laughs) You're having a tough time over there. I'm gonna. I think I just need to burn my house down and start over. <laughs> I said that earlier today because I found a tick on me. Ew. Oh no! I was like, yeah, I gotta, gotta get out of there. I gotta, gotta burn my clothes. How, I gotta set my house on fire. How are the neighbors, by the way? Yeah, do we the even? Neighbors so, are good. For people who don't know, Erica moved from from the Big Apple to the smaller <laughs> to the apple, apple, West Virginia. <laughs> okay. Well, I was gonna say the Big Apple to a smaller apple, back to Philadelphia, to the smallest apple. Beckley, West Virginia. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but yeah, you actually, Beckley is a bustling metropolis compared to the actual town where I live. But I have these weirdo neighbors. Yeah. Who I just what are what are some highlights? Because I've actually been kind of <laughs> my, desensitized to them since I've lived here for so long. My favorite my favorite story was that like the dad wanted to buy your house. And you bought it instead, so oh, that they've always had me. like a resentment towards you, or the yeah. grandfather, or whatever. Yeah. Imagine you're like, I want to buy a house to live near my neighbors, and then some city slicker with like a brand new Audi pulls in. Some twenty-nine-year-old like, <laughs> woman yeah. at the time. Yeah. Oh, my man. my what favorite a, a thing, and I think true. I don't even know if not in my small town is what I say. <laughs> <laughs> N- not in my holler. Oh man, I think my favorite um, was the era of you trying to convince yourself how much you love West Virginia early mm. on, and you oh, would like yeah. you would post on your stories like, "Oh my God, I love West Virginia. These lovable scamps are sledding in my front yard," <laughs> and then the next close friend story. You know, the public post would be like, oh, my God, I love it so much. And the French would be like, these little pieces of shit just drove their ATV on my front lawn. And I swear to God, I'm going to fucking put up a fence and I'm going to te- I'm gonna shoot them with a gun. The spike <laughs> fence, yeah. yeah I... And then the, bad, then the next one would be like, ah, ha, ha, their dog's running around. <laughs> yeah. I will say, I finally, I've gained the respect of my neighbors, which is good. I finally figured out how to do West Virginia well, which is you first of all fuck the haters because there's a lot of haters here in a small town like all anyone has the time to do is hate which is you know fun so what started a rumor that i'm a terrorist <laughs> i buy it yeah that's, oh, i'm mean, also sorry wait. that was me <laughs> i should i should say that um that you t- <laughs> the the only description of your uh, Spotify uh, artist page is the Ted Kaczynski of bedroom pop. So <laughs> you're self declared. It's true. Uh, but yeah, and now he, that the original Ted Kaczynski of de- bedroom pop has passed away, you, you now have to carry the torch. I do. But it's very uh, important. someone knows John. Uh, uh, John. Um, John Hinckley. John Hinckley. He's not a, I have he's it not a right terrorist. Here. Oh, can you see it? No. 
Oh, you do have a copy of Industrial Society <laughs> next to you. Just some light reading next to your, Wait, your workstation. But I think I might order a copy of that for the beach. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good read. I mean, come on. It's a great read. He's but right about a lot of he's things. Just like me. Um, but yeah, go, go, go back to people starting a rumor you're a terrorist. Yeah, there's a. I can't. I can't get into specifics right now because I don't know who's listening. There's an impending there's, litigation happening. Yeah, there's just a lot of people that don't like me. They were people that did like me, and now they don't like me, and they just be starting weird rumors. Some of them are like, I just feel like ever since I moved here, people start rumors. Remember when that one lady told everyone I was a lesbian? I was gonna bring it up. So that yeah. one got yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just been some. What was the name of that queer uh, <laughs> mountain climbing event that happens out there? Oh, it was. Oh. It's such a good name. It was like so offensive. It was like, <laughs> it was like Appa faggot or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was. It was like really. Oh, was, man, now I, I feel like I gotta find it, but then I'll just. Be yeah, scrolling. I want to look it up, but I don't want that to be in my search history. <laughs> Like, hold on let me let me just look the, let me see what it, was self, it. it was self it was self-described like, you know it was um, a, a queer event m- making the no, name it not. was all like ran by like allies yeah uh let's see <laughs> i'm googling fayetteville gay climb event. <laughs> <laughs> um, what a weird fucking place Homo climbtastic. Homo climbtastic. <laughs> Somehow Very. more offensive than the thing I said. Oh my god. <laughs> Homo climbtastic, the group for queer rock climbers. I love it. I want to oh, join. Oh, it's held annually that. in July. Wow. When? Did we miss oh. it? We just missed it. Wow. It, did wait? Does it say that? Can we do a? Can we do a live pod from there next year? Oh no! It's July. Tw- oh yeah, it just ended yesterday. Wow! Oh man! Mm. Next Oof. year. Next year. Homo. We'll be a sponsor. I say we. You'll be <laughs> <Yes>. a sponsor. <laughs> You're our uh, our West Virginia affiliate. Yeah. <laughs> Homo climb tastic. Here we go. Oh my god! Uh, I forgot about that. This wow. is incredible. <laughs> the, I love it. Oh my fuck! Do you know what the the logo is? No, what is the logo? It is it is two humping goats. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. It's just so Oh, it is. Wow. I love that. I think I wish I was this free in life. <laughs> Don't we all? Do they sell shirts? Maybe. The uh the Barbie movie is sweeping the nation. Have you participated oh. in in Barbenheim? Andrew, I know you, it, you dressed up the girlies and, and went and saw it. I didn't. So, my, my wife saw it. My wife. My, my wife. We, um, we, I, I wanted to do the double feature because I wanted mm. to see Oppenheimer and Tyler wanted to see um, the Barbie movie. We said <laughs> fuck gender roles. Um, but for, for various reasons, uh, we decided to just see Barbie. Oh, so you did go see it. Yeah, we did. We saw it on Friday. It was the most packed I'd ever seen that movie theater. Really? I gotta say, yeah. it they lucked the fuck out with that marketing. Like I I luck or spent a hundred million dollars. 
this. I mean, listen, luck doesn't They're always like, come cheap. Someone's got to like kickstart this economy. <laughs> I mean, it really is like like Barbie-nomics. Uh, <laughs> it's so true though. It's it's fucking wild. Do we do we think it's a here here's something bringing back the old podcast. Is it a work? Is it a psyop? What are they distracting I... us from? They're distracting us from Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? Oppenheimer did know. really well too. Yeah, I I don't know. I I was prepared to not like it. And I think I don't want to give any spoilers, but I actually ended up no really spoilers. enjoying it. I yeah. I've heard it's base level enjoyable. Uh but now the haters are coming out. The haters are saying that it's too vapid and it's actually not about femini- uh you know, feminism. It's actually about the patriarchy being uh well, I underrepresented wrote a really good in a matriarchy about this. If I may plug my Substack, <laughs> everyone go read it. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I haven't, I haven't gotten a chance to read that yet. I've had both a communist and a right winger tell me it was very good. So <laughs> nice. You, you just Make changed that. You, <laughs> you did just change the name of your Substack. I noticed. I did. It was time for a rebrand. Yeah, is that what it is? What's the rebrand? Um. So. I've been the same. I've been Larkin Lace for like 10 mm-hmm. years once again. And I just, it doesn't fit anymore. So I wanted to find a name. I was like unemployed for four months and I was really embracing the uh, Dolce Farniente lifestyle. Like what is the, that? the sweet do nothing. Okay. Mm. Italians are really good at. So mm. I, Is that uh, also a Sartre quote? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Sartre. <laughs> um, so I changed it to a volte farniente, which means sometimes doing nothing. Nice. Yeah. Because, you know, you can't, when you live in America, you can't not do anything all day. Like but if you could. Yeah. <laughs> I probably would. Like, towards the end of my time in unemployment, I actually really started enjoying it. There was, my time on unemployment, especially, um, you know, we had a nanny to watch the baby. This I, I'm going to sound like an awful person, regardless of how I try to frame this. So I'm just going to go for it. But go for it. Um, you know, we didn't need to watch the baby during the day. And, you know, my wife would go to work. So <clears throat> I would like wake up with her to take care of the kid. And then I would go back to sleep, wake up around noon, walk, uh, walk with a joint to the coffee shop. That was like a 40 minute walk away. Uh, I love a good another, Lindy walk roll another for the walk home it was honestly some of the best time just like existing that i've ever had um it's nice i like uh, you know what i don't think people are free to like like what would you do you know what i mean people feel guilty about not doing anything which is in which is insane yeah Yeah. like which is just so stupid you know what i mean like when you think about you know if you had three months three months out of a year that you could just be like, this is what I'm going to oh. do. Well, I think the first month the will thing. be terrible. And then you yeah. settle into it and you're like, this is what I want. And then I you can't really go back. Want. That's my boyfriend is a, is a teacher. So that's his yeah. reality. So he's like. Like crushing he, he, he hopelessness. He taught me and then how to do it. Like summer? he's he's the realist. Yeah. He's like, you just got to do this, this and this. And it's like, you know, it's one thing when you're kind of like, I don't know when I'm going to run out of money. Mm-hmm. But. Like, yeah, once you figure out how to, like, adjust from that, like, constantly, like, you know, that grind set, 
and get back to it it's you know it's really nice yeah which is like kind of feeds into me learning how to enjoy west virginia because there's like a lot of layabouts here mm. so it was like oh um instead of hanging out with like the art ho like hick lips i'll hang out with people who listen to the grateful dead and do mushrooms and go out on the river and that also sounds so kind of much bad more, no, <laughs> it's somewhere in the middle of that <laughs> i don't but know I, that i'm about that that <laughs> river life like the, you know, what are they like pontoon boats or whatever? Everybody Rifts? has sort of has a similar one. Is that a raft? Wait, yeah, are, you, you just... are we talking Huck finning it? <laughs> <laughs> like getting a bunch of sticks and like tying them together. With, <gasps> okay, no, I'm in. No, hundred <laughs> percent. You know, just like a floating, like float like sure rift. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i don't know the terminology i just go along for the ride yeah i don't know i mean that's that's why i've loved having like an unorthodox schedule you know it, it is the death of me and a lot of other things socially but the fact yeah like i'm able like today just to like go to trader joe's at 11 o'clock and and not have a line and like go to the museum when it's not busy and like avoid the city on the weekends like it's so nice to be able to do that shit and like and enjoy life when it's in a slightly less crowded way it's so nice you know but yeah. if, you know it does have its downsides too when everyone else works a standard schedule it's really hard to kind of interact you know interact with that world but it is just so nice and uh, gotta find you like a nice west virginia girl who does nothing <laughs> Who's just always or, down to hang out. Yeah. Or we just need to find you literally anybody. Anybody, yeah. <laughs> I gotta I gotta stock up on the blue shirts again and then I'll be back in it. I, I'll, um, I'll do another post and we'll see who, who comes my, in. My my closet's DMs. much more colorful now, unfortunately. Oh. Is that a red flag? It might, it's a it's, it's a, a beige it's flag. An ick. Yeah, it's got the ick. <laughs> an ick. <laughs> Uh, I, I was going to talk about the icks because they're, they're so fucking funny on Twitter now. I can't imagine how many of them like, are actually real. Is like, the ick the uh, new fellows? Is it gay? It is. Uh, yeah, 100%. Because <laughs> yeah, I love, like, like, I used to miss that genre where a girl would be like, oh, uh, there was a guy, I went on a date with a guy and he ate the bread. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I, I went on a date with a guy and he ordered dessert. Yeah, the dessert yeah. one was really funny. It's like he ordered dessert and it didn't sit right with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is he, you know, ordering desserts? So funny. Yeah, it's it's an epidemic of the ick. Everyone's I just, just too like picky. If you like, so, well, if you like someone enough, because there's like certain things that like, obviously everyone's going to have their ick behaviors, but if you like someone mm -hmm. enough, then it won't be an ick. It'll be like endearing. Well, I, I found that. Tyler says this to me all the time because I hate bugs and I like scream if we're like on a hike uh -huh. and I see a bug and he's like, if it was any other girl, I would have been gone by now. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, that is true. There was a, a friend of mine. Uh, I posted on Twitter the uh, or on Instagram, but the uh, I found the super ick cure. <laughs> the it was like for fish disease or something. When I found it at the thrift store, I posted about it, and my friend was literally like, "No, nah, if you like the guy, like anything they do is cute and endearing, you know." But there there is that weird epidemic of people online dating people they hate for like for the story, for the plot, yeah, or in it's your case, so for the weird. record. You know, for yeah, for the, 
for the inspiration. No, it wasn't people that I hated. It was I was I used to date people that hated me. (laughs) I was a boyfriend girl. Remember that? I I here's I honestly don't think that like dating uh somebody you don't like is really all that bad if we can be on i mean like you always got something to complain about you you know if you no 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 i think if you come (laughs) at life with the perspective of if i literally do everything then it will help me hyper it will help me understand my focus of what i do and don't like like any any information is good information Sort of. Mm. It's problematic. I think you're you're using women to learn more about yourself. No, They're not your me, therapist. Me? I'm not using anybody. I I cry a lot. I'm I, you feeling know I mean? very used right now. Are you? Are Should you? we unpack that? <laughs> no. I, I know what you mean, though, because... We're taking a risk certain... by giving you a platform right now. That's true. I've been deplatformed <laughs> several times. Um... <laughs> I I, know, I understand what you're saying because there is a point like unless you know yourself, yeah. you're like and and people are gonna get into relationships before they know themselves. But it's kind of like a constant give and take, and I think people do get comfortable in the confines of like you know this isn't making me happy, but maybe it's not making me unhappy, or mm-hmm. like getting out of this is going to be its own like big thing. So on, a, knows on, I've a, been through that <laughs> on a very similar thing, I mean, not like similar, but like, um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I can't believe I'm saying this. So out loud. funny. Every I'm time. Very, You're a LinkedIn cell. Oh my God. I love, I love reading people's stupid posts. <laughs> I answer every single person who writes to me. I, I respond. Um, but I get, I, I don't know if it's just cause I'm very active, but I get a lot of recruiters reaching out. And I take every single interview, even if it's something I would never want to do. I take every interview. You get the practice. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, like and I you used get the to thrill do it. of leading them on. Yeah, and I also like. I think it's fun to see what you can get away with. Uh-huh. Um, I recently uh, had applied for a job um, that I knew paid way less than I was comfortable taking. Um, but like, you know, I, I had applied for this job and the guy uh, said, okay, I'll call you at one. And I said, great. And then he doesn't call me until 5.30. Like no, no email, no anything. And we start talking and he's like, do you have time? And I said, well, I had time at one, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm making dinner. I can give you part of my, part of my, uh, my uh, concentration. And so, or part of my attention. And so we started talking and, and, and he's asking about my relevant experience and I give it to him and he's like, Oh, I think we're too far. I don't, I think you're going to need more money than we would be comfortable paying. And I said, I said, is that why you didn't think, you know, when you blew off our meeting, is that why you didn't think you needed to say anything about it? Because you're looking for somebody who you're not going to pay very much. Wow. Who like who you would expect to deal with that. And he was like, I don't think, you know, I was, I was busy. And I was like, well, we had a meeting. Yeah. And now, yeah. now like, that I, was I know. Busy too, bitch. Yeah. Now that I know that you wanted to pay, you know, a third of what I would have been expecting, you think that you can just talk to people however you want. I love and that. the guy was like, uh, I hung up. It was so, and I felt like that guy spent the rest of that day going like, am I the asshole? Like, am I a fucker? 
he, he posted on did. Reddit the yeah. like, "Am I the asshole?" Yeah, am I the asshole? I love that though. Yeah. I think I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but I know me, uh, me and Andrew have bonded over it a bit. But the like when people like when people are rude to you in a situation where being rude is not any reasonable reaction. And then you call them out for being rude, and they get so confused. Mm. And yeah. when, you know, when people just like snap at you for nothing, and you're like, "Hey, so why do you think it's okay to like talk to me like that right now?" And people are yeah. like, "What? What the fuck? Are you, what?" And it's like, "Yeah, yeah." There's no reason to talk to me that way. Like, you could just ask. You just, you yeah. Know, and people like, don't like realize the, they're like, being pieces of shit. I like to pull the like. Is everything okay? Is something going on? Because because I know that you wouldn't talk to a stranger like that unless something else was going on. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Do you want to talk about it? That's so funny. But I, I do I love the idea the of like calling of people out on wasting your time on LinkedIn. I think that's great. Mm, I love it. Yeah. That's the good also, fight people that people who need just, to fight. People who just fire bullshit out. I now have a saved um, thing that an AI spit out about... Um, <laughs> how I want to career coach people. And so when anybody tries to ask me about something, I immediately fire back this, like, are you ready to take your career to the next level? Oh my God, I love it. It's so amazing. And I've only had one person be like, is this for real? It's like a... It's like the like a LinkedIn specific copy pasta. Oh, it's so good. awful. It's the best and worst place I've ever been. Also, it's really interesting because I I mean all of my social media I'm in bubbles. You know what I mean? I yeah. have no idea what anybody outside of like left leaning service workers think. Um, <laughs> and it's really wild to see what like. You know what? What does everybody else do in this world? Like, what, what is, are the normies what is, thinking? That's where I found yeah. out about not in my small town was on LinkedIn. Oh, on LinkedIn? <laughs> that's so wacky. Yeah, yeah LinkedIn is wild. Yeah, I, I, I have to use there. it a lot for my job, and I mm. I do so reluctantly because it's just in my industry, partnerships, like e-commerce, tech. It's very small. It's very homogenous, and it just turns into like a circle jerk. Mm. And Mm-mm. I just I hate that shit. Like a lot of and rise those and people grinders. are like those people are are used to. I, I mean, and this is a blanket statement of which I have no research, but the people <laughs> who are like post the like uh, motivational, you know. You got up at eight and had breakfast. I've been up since four. Like one of us got two days in or whatever. And like there's this total like, I don't know, hunter mindset of like, you know, we don't have to do that anymore. That's not, you know what I mean? In 10 years. You're just wasting your life, really. Yeah. In 10 years, nothing you do right now is going to matter. Like everybody's lives will be so different in a decade that like, None of this will matter. Yeah, yeah Dan and, and I will be on like, TV. It's true. We might be president. I don't know. We Maybe they'll let us both do it. I think it's funny too because it's always <laughs> we'll, we'll switch off weeks like, like the Russian and Turkish baths. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's always the people that are like, they're like, I work so hard. It's like if you work so hard, like why are you on LinkedIn and like not doing your job? Like yeah. I can see when you're online and you're like literally always on LinkedIn. Yeah, I when you have time to do check. your actual, I'm gonna job. check right now. And I, see what's I going love on. that though. Like the grind set guy is so fucking <laughs> stupid, and I'm such the opposite. Where it's like, oh man, I woke up and sent two emails, and then walked to the Italian deli and got a big sandwich, and then that yeah. was like a job well done. 
<laughs> you know, like I, I love working like two to three days a week and then uh, doing this podcast. Yeah, there's nothing really interesting going on on mine right now. It's just like I think I have like a million unread requests and and uh, <laughs> uh, and and messages that are all like people are like, "Hey, do you need help automating your clipping paths?" And I'm like, "No, no, thank you." <laughs> oh yeah, look, harnessing the power of virtual engagement, Ooh. like buzzword fest people are people are trying to push a new um anyway i you know what i want to talk about the buzzword fest that is lana del rey oh yeah lana del rey i'm fucking ready for this dan i'm gonna start off by saying if you don't love this record you're a completely heartless piece of shit (laughs) do you wait is that a sarcastic or do you actually love this record i I th- I used to be like, okay, you know, I, I think you can take Lana Del Rey about, like, 70% seriously. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, she's still sort of like a rich kid actor who found a niche. However, I think that, like, her, the way that she, like, I, I don't know how to word this, um fearlessly describes modern relationships is so brutal in a way that like I've never experienced but I see how friends of mine have experienced these things and and I feel like it's an entire record about settling uh it's about like coming to terms with like who you are through the lens of other people yeah. I think it's about um like harnessing isolation and sadness and like turning it into a lifestyle. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure you can speak way more intelligently about this than I can, but I, it's such a, this and the new one are the only ones I've ever listened to. Um, it's, it's so good. Like, it's, it's wait, incredible. Why? why, why do you like, I want to, First of all, two questions. I'm yeah. like interviewing you now. Um, so when you say it's like your friends that have experienced, like ha- experience what she's talking about, do you right. all girls or like girls and guys? No, I feel like I feel like it's mostly like women that I know that have tried to date like modern men. And I don't like. There's no other way to describe it other yeah. than like men who are like in touch with their feelings only to use it as fuel to like i don't know just funny just uh normal men right innocent men innocent men (laughs) (laughs) i i i kind of like that angle because i don't know if it's because of you know, when this album came out, 2019, which actually when this album first came out, I didn't even listen to it. Mm. I I gave it like a try and I was just in a very different place in my life. I was, you know, it's, it's very much like a heartbreak album and I was mm-hmm. falling in love when it came out. So I was like, I, this, I don't relate to it, but I listened to it, you know, when I was going through that breakup, like in its entirety and then like in pieces and then more recently I listened to it in its entirety again and I think like yeah like you kind of nailed it as I, I well first of all I think it's my Barbie movie 
Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I will say as, you know, as someone who writes music, I think it's just a brilliant piece of art. But as a woman, I think it really masterfully distills the like feminine experience as far as relationships and self-actualization goes into something like very like almost painfully beautiful. I guess I shouldn't say that I think it's like gender specific because I, I don't. Um, I think that there's a lot of universal aspects of like desiring like sex within the comfort of a relationship because there's a lot of there you know there's a lot of talking about fucking on this record yeah fucking um, men men children yeah but it's yeah. not through the context of like i want to get laid it's like through the context of like or and this is just what i got from it but i feel yeah. like a lot of it is through the context of like i want to feel like this closeness you know, with a person that's, you know, it's focused. It's not just like, you know, like yeah. Dan trying to, trying to fuck everybody. You know what I mean? Excuse you. It, <laughs> I feel like it sort of, um, like disassembles heartbreak mm -hmm. and takes those like angry pieces. And there's definitely like, you know, parts on the album where she indulges in like that anger that's inherent when you're going through a breakup and then um but i would say like by and large it's about sort of like a wistful way of looking at a relationship and that like you know you it's almost like in a way that retrospectively is an attempt to be like okay so i had this thing it didn't work out if I'm going to be angry about it, like that's sort of the easy way out. Um, kind of almost romanticizing the heartbreak and taking the good and moving along is the more healthy way. Like, I think it's, it's sort of like a healthy way to process through a breakup, I guess is what I'm saying. Sure. Like, um, it's, are you guys familiar with like the tarot at all? No. Uh, in the like major arcana, there's, a card called the fool and it kind of mm. is reminiscent of the fool's journey and that the fool has a little bindle sack <laughs> which is a very funny just thing. like the ant i um, saw on twitter yeah <laughs> he's got like a bindle sack and the whole idea is like the fool is you going along your journey and the thing about the fool is that he can only everything that he has with him is what he needs so that's you know the tools to get by and the tools to learn and anything extra that he's carrying along is baggage that's unnecessary so it's this whole idea that when you pull it it kind of calls you to carry the lessons from you know things like heartbreak and hardships but none of the baggage and i feel like mm -hmm. this album really beautifully illustrates that as a notion it is also um it's like it's packaged in a way that's just <laughs> familiar enough to not be challenging. I think that like this is a I... has to be a huge record for like the NPR crowd, right? <laughs> like that's yeah. Like I have to say, know, it's the... challenging for me though. How challenging? How like I because it's so it's just so familiar, like. Yeah. It's almost like she's saying things that I've always 
wanted to say but couldn't quite figure out how to say i feel like a lot of it hits like eerily close to home um i what's your favorite song on the album or it's hard to three, say three favorite songs. um uh definitely the last track for sure um i'm bad with song titles um because it was a single which was even more crazy to me when i found out that uh hope is a dangerous thing for a woman like me uh to have but i have it yeah yeah um it's that long i didn't know that title was (laughs) none of it is capitalized Um, either uh the next best american records really good i do like that song um uh, just the frustration of trying to be an artist and 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 work with somebody else, but like the the like, you know, I can write the the great American novel kind of thing, <laughs> which um, you're trying to do, which I'm, I've always been trying to do. I don't know the whole I, I, the whole first half, um, has the hits, and I feel like the second half is like. The tearjerkers. Yeah. I, I feel like this um, is a backloaded record, personally. In terms of what I enjoyed, I prefer the back I half. Think I think you gotta get through the beginning. Um it the definitely turns is hard to get through, but I I love the beginning. Like those first three I, songs, just perfect oh, opener. Yeah. Well that that's perfect. the thing is is yeah, it's I w- I was kinda listening to it, I'm like, where are the singles? But I realized there was like seven singles on this. Yeah, record. which is crazy, right? Yeah. Um, Apparently, the- my most listened to song. Sorry, my most listened to song that I went back to is "Cinnamon Girl." Really? Oh, I fucking love that one. Um, That's my "She Just Like Me" anthem. Yeah, it's can- like me for real. So I I, uh, I I was listening to other podcasts that have talked about this record today. All bad. Yeah. Um, and one, this guy was like, oh, you know, my least favorite song on the record is Doing Time. It's the laziest songwriting I've ever heard. And the other guy goes, you know, that's a cover, right? <laughs> um, it's such which a is good like, cover. It's a, it's a cover of a cover. Yeah. And I, her version's better than the original. It's so 1, good. 1,000% better. Did you ever see the music video? No, I did not know there it's was a music very, video. It's very she's just like a giant Lana Del Rey like making mm. her way down Hollywood, which <laughs> I kind of love cuz she's like I think a lot of this record too is her like coping with her fame mm-hmm. and recognizing like she can't just like be normal. Yeah, well there so there's a line I think later on in the album, it's on like the last couple songs where she like refers to the people who would just keep breaking into our house and stealing her things as memorabilia. And she's like, I'm driving, yeah, 60 down the PCH, like, to an address that people haven't found out yet or something. Because <laughs> she, she bought, like, a bungalow in, in Venice, and people were, like, people stole her cars. People stole, like, things out of her house to be like, I have Lana Del Rey's ashtray. Like, <laughs> wild shit. Her, I'm pretty sure her last album was leaked because it was stolen from her car. It's insane. And her, like, whole manuscript that she wrote the yeah it's uh, it took me a little bit to settle in on this record a bit um one of my first notes is i'm not because you hate women (laughs) 
it's because I hate women. Uh, it's it okay. says I I'm not neurodivergent enough for this. <laughs> <laughs> it is very much like a neurodivergent art ho record. Um, but I think I think part of the reason I like the latter half of the record is there's more kind <laughs> of electronic production in that back half and a little less piano ballad esque. Um. I liked, I mean, I rode hard for the first Lana Del Rey record. I was an early video games adopter. Um, still think that record's great, but that's very much like her voice over that kind of more synthetic production, which I like. Was, was the first one self-titled? No, Born to Die is like the first breakthrough one. I actually had a note about that, which yeah. I felt that this album in particular is where she started advocating for herself. Like I don't I don't hate Born to Die. I think it's a good album. I think, you know, a lot of it was her chasing video games. Mm-hmm. Um and I want to say like a lot of it knowing what we know of her now is like not all about her. Like I feel like this album in particular is really where she went from being an artist who took these like Americana aesthetics and made catchy music about rebellion and nostalgia in a way that allowed people to project themselves onto it. Yeah. And then she became this just really earnest songwriter with like a prowess for world building. Like I think this mm-hmm. album Norm fucking Rockwell is incredible with like the world building and just really pulling you in. And instead of being like, I'm going to make, I guess I don't know how to say this, right. I'm going to, instead of making, your world instead of like having an influence on your world i'm gonna pull you into mine and i'm gonna influence you that way yeah it's she she does a really great job especially for somebody who is not a native californian does a really good job of like romanticizing like the everyday la life in a way that makes it seem like how could i not want that like, yeah. how could I not want, like, the worst day in L.A. is better than the best day in Baltimore. I'm actually sure that's probably true, but. Yeah. Um, in one of the songs, she even says, like, California is just a state of mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of love that. It's it's definitely interesting how she, because the thing is, I, I love that first record, but I kind of fell off immediately. Like, I don't even think I listened to the weird, like, Paradise supplement that they she tacked on to. Uh, like the Born to Die Deluxe, because those songs were just different than the the normal record, you know. I kind of like them more. Yeah, and I I kind of like that de- direction less. And like I said, I think this is the first Lana Del, Del, Rec- Del Rey Del Rey record I've listened to in full since Born to Die. Like you didn't I, listen pe- to the new one, maybe once. I'm just going to say, I thought I talked about it enough that you would have finally just given in. <laughs> you don't do that to any records I talk about, so <laughs> why would it work the other way? Yeah, because you listen to like weird chiptune power violence, and that is True. not something I need. Which is why this record is tough to hold my attention, you know? It's just not enough flashing lights in my face. But it's a lot of navel I think, gazing. Yeah. I think a lot that, of like, woman it, moments. Oh, yeah. I love woman moments. It's I definitely we, like the yeah. other side of the same coin as like the national. Which is I'm also in my why women I check are out. amazing era, by the way. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it. <laughs> Like I tried to listen to Ultraviolence, and she went to, like, yeah, like, too Americana-esque 
Laurel Canyon kind of stuff, which is also like a lot of this record references that kind of stuff too. That era of like seventies California, um, which I love, but I don't think does her any justice. You know what I mean? Um, I do. I mean, I do like where some of it goes, and like I said, the back half of the record, kind of the little world building stuff, I do appreciate a little more. Um, I was going through Genius to read the lyrics, like I do for a lot of the records uh, we talk about on here, and whoever was doing the Genius annotating, like wrote a college dissertation for like every fucking line of this record i love it but so i feel like i would if i was like a long like a career long lana del rey fan or at least had like a knowledge of her previous work in like in any kind of in-depth way i'd probably appreciate this more because so much of the stuff in this record is referring back to stuff she talks about in the previous records there's so many lines that are reflections or repeat like re- repetitions of lines that she talks about in the other records. Almost never born to die, but stuff in ultraviolence and lust for life and the stuff like that before. So I gotta say, I think lust for life is. I think that's my least favorite album. Of okay, hers. but I think I think that's kind of like where the turning point starts in terms of where yeah. this era of songwriting happens. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I feel like if you are in on the lore, you know, I feel like it's rewarding in that aspect because she does self-referentiate a lot. Um, it's like a Marvel movie like for a- the girlies, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the uh, the L D R U. I I was listening to Venice Bitch in the car. I think um, that's my favorite song on this well, album. I was listening I to it. Like, I love like a long, long song. Well, I was just like, I like this. And then I realized that there was like seven more minutes to go. And I'm like, oh, yeah. where is it going to go from here? Well, I mean, but that's, that's the wild part is that like, <laughs> I don't get bored at any point. During, this record has to be over an hour, right? It's an hour seven, I think. Yeah, I, I was I, afraid I, I was going to get yelled at for that. We were no, thinking at about it. no point do I ever check out. At no point do I like lose interest. Um, and I and I was saying to Liz last night, you know, that I think that like every time that I got close to skipping or like, you know, checking out, the something changes in the song that pulls me right back in. Um, I hate to give Jack Antonoff credit for this one, but he I was gonna I was gonna mention that Jack Antonoff <laughs> produced this. That yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. It's it has its moments for sure. And like I said, as I listen to it more in different scenarios, it started to click in different places. You know? Um like a good example, I was listening to it while walking through Stu Leonard's on a Sunday. And uh, I noticed the the glass break sound in Next Best American Record, and I was like, "Fuck, okay, this song's from got me. the like from uh, like the pottery sound from it's, it's like the pottery sound from Hot American Summer." <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was all in when I heard that. Um, but yeah, you know, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like that's cool, and it's it's catchy, and it's it's like a, a cool effect that adds to you know the scene but like there are a lot of moments on this record and that is a problem with me with stuff of this kind of tempo is it fades into the background for me and then i don't notice it and then i'm like four tracks 
beyond where I'm like, oh shit, like I'm still listening to this record. But also, doesn't it kind of turn into a soundtrack at some point? Sorta. Not the lifestyle I'm living though. You know? I think it's exactly my lifestyle. I sit I sit at my desk and I listen to this and just daydream. Yeah. In the same way that I do when I listen to I don't know. I you know, I I just think that like I think there's and this is such a stupid over overused non musical term, but there's something just like ethereal about it. There's something that's like it, yeah, yeah, grounded in our reality, but also like from a different universe about I'm just this. Like go it's too and call on the nose. That woman brain, like that's what that is. Like I feel like a lot, of, like that's how the woman brain works, and that's why I think it's so genius because it's like. I don't understand. I just can't comprehend how she was able to make such a make such a piece of work that is so personal and also so universal. And I think it's because everyone has been there at one point or another. Yeah. I mean, I definitely appreciate the lyrical content. And I think you're right. Like what Andrew was saying, too, is like those weird nuances that she picks up on that are overlooked in a lot of ways. I mean, that's stuff we've talked about with like more traditional emo records that are really well written. It's like, oh, you're picking up on this weird feeling that's so hard to actually enunciate in words and you're conveying it in a song. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff in this, like even just the stuff she says, like, you know, next time you're in California, please like call me. We'll do whatever you want to do. I'll take you to all your favorite places. And it's like that yearning for like connection again and like, you know, reaching out to like maybe an ex or someone you had like a a moment with, but never really got closure on. And you still kind of like keep in touch when they're in town. And that's like such an interesting and specific feeling too of just like, oh, I kind of just want to be in your presence again. We'll do whatever you want. Just like I want to do it with you. And it's uh, like, that's a cool little, you know, thing that goes beyond just like words. It's like, oh, that's like a whole feeling and a whole experience. I think an important part of the Erica Marie Rikini lore is that last year I had a very um, publicly humiliating heartbreak in L.A. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, that's all I'm going to say on the matter. But I feel like until so i've i always like you know after that initial like i don't like this album and i came back to it and i loved it i feel like if you listen to it and you're on the west coast it just makes it hits different it hits real (laughs) different because it's just like i don't know there's something in the air that's just different out there it's just a state of mind i heard though it is just a state of mind but i don't know like it's just yeah, like different is really the only word I can use to describe it. I mean, it it could also be because, you know, there's just something fanciful about Los Angeles in particular um, that like you don't really have in L.A. where people don't really have time to navel gaze or did I say L.A.? I meant New York. Did I say New York? I don't know. On the East Coast where people don't really have time to like navel gaze or somewhere like West Virginia where people don't have like the mental capacity to do mm. such a thing teeth um, sure yeah the teeth required um <laughs> but uh <laughs> in like in los angeles it's almost like 
if you're not doing that, then like, what are you doing? Like, it's a good place. I guess it's also because of the weather. It's like a good place to be heartbroken because the weather's so nice. And it also helps you to sort of indulge in this like main character woe is me because everyone is just so self-absorbed and you can mm-hmm. just kind of be in your own world and feel it and process through it and then move on it's the like only a quintessentially th- california the vibe. big thing that separates la from california i mean la from new york <laughs> is uh you know in la you can you can go and sit in the sun and like do beach things while you're sad in in new york you just sit on the subway and cry you sit on the g train and and ball um something that i came across uh like i don't know why i'm whispering you know nobody else in the house can hear me but (laughs) i think this record made me think a lot yeah i think this record made me think a lot about the concept of like the one that got away um I don't know if you if that's something that the two of you ever think about. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't as a concept of like I'm not thinking about a person, but I'm always like fascinated with like other trajectories your lives could have taken. Yeah, no that makes sense. Or like your life could have taken. And I feel like this is so cinematic that it makes me think like, "Oh, my life could be a movie. I can flash back and you know what I mean like Yeah, I mean so there that, we go. that, that- it's funny because that has there was me, like three quarters of a thought. I'm that has me thinking back to um, when Hans was on here talking about framing canvas. Yeah, that and, and that that exact conversation came up a few times for me. Yeah, yeah, and just the idea of like every little mundane thing feels like it could be part of a movie, mm-hmm. like you know, and the it's just like listening to the radio in your car, like going to pick up your date. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. you can put it in the context of it being, like, more cinematic than it really is. But I think that's can, a testament to good songwriting. You know, that you're... You you're, can write a song about, uh, you're setting about rolling a, down the window as soon as uh, Van Halen's jump comes on. Yep. You're setting, you're setting up a scene, you know? Mm. And that's... She's an absolute master at doing it. It's like, setting funny. a scene. Do you have any songs on here that you guys hate? Um, it's so for a while I couldn't really relate to fuck it. I love you Mm -hmm. because I feel like it just hit too close to home for me. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, cause I feel like she was the woman who acknowledged the red flags and moved on with it anyway. Whereas I was always the woman that would like pretend I did not see them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but like after all was said and done, I actually kind of really appreciate it and I appreciate I think the older I get, I appreciate that sentiment even more because when you're younger, you feel like you have all the time in the world and you're just romanticizing everything. Like you're well, romanticizing the bum on the street yeah. on your way to your your mm-hmm. Israeli tech job. Like you're just romanticizing everything. And then when you get older, it becomes this like, oh, the stakes are higher. Like as a woman, your biological clock is ticking. You're going to hit the wall soon. And it's kind of like you have to it, it becomes not so much about like defiance as like necessity. You have to be like, fuck it. Like I have to do this or else what's the alternative yeah there is an interesting thing with that song of just being like i'm gonna stop fighting this feeling and just kind of give in and just see where the road takes you kind of deal 
Uh, but also, I think there's a, a reference. It's referencing a part earlier in the record on like one of the first two songs. I think about like not saying I love you or something. And then it's, it's kind of like a direct reference, which is interesting. Um, I think due in time for me is a skip. I think I've just heard it way too many times in, in this yeah, form I, and sublime form. I agree with you. I, I think the only thing, I just think it's funny. It's like, funny it's for funny. sure. It I think funny. her, her and her take on it is so good. Um, the harmonies you know, are so good. Yeah. Um, I like do, her voice is really good on that. I love song. Uh, California. It's good on every song, but uh, I love the counting she does under her breath in between like the certain parts. Mm. I really love that, and that wasn't like something I really picked up until I listened to it in headphones in Stu Leonard's. <laughs> A lot of releva- uh, revelations happening in, in Stu Leonard's, but I, I kind of hate Bartender. And I'm looking at it; it's actually the least listened to song on this record. Um, oh, yeah, it is. And almost by more than half on some songs. But I, I just really hate the when she changes it up and says bartender. And she puts a little in there. It's just like nails on a chalkboard for me. I, yeah, that was probably another one I used to not enjoy. But there's actually a couple nights ago I was listening to this. Just like driving around before going to Tyler's. And that song, I don't know, something about it really struck me. This kind of like... I don't know if it's familiarity or like, you know, forced familiarity or like feigned familiarity, but that whole idea of like, you know, cheers where everybody knows your name. And it's kind of like that old adage, I guess, about, you know, if you can't like spill your guts to like your friends about things because they're tired of hearing about this guy who's broken your heart like a million times. You talk to the bartender. About <laughs> it. Yeah. I, I love in the greatest though, where she talks about Dennis's last stop before Kokomo. Mm. It's such a good line. Uh, but then followed up by like where she says the culture's lit. <laughs> I'm like, uh, like when she does like modern adages, um, especially 2019 adages like i think there's a song where she says she's fresh out of fucks and that's such like a reddit thing that's like a shirts that go hard bullshit of that era you know i love it i think i feel like and this has nothing to do with gender it just has to do with vibe but i feel like lana del rey is like the the tumblr generation version of tori amos Oh, I was going to say she's the Tumblr Different. generation Emmylou Harris, but I think we're in like the same right I, same and place. I, and I, yeah, and I don't even mean like women. I think I'm more thinking like there's like a softness to the songwriting that's also not, lyrically not soft at all. Yeah, um, and saying things that like most other songwriters wouldn't say. Yeah. Um, it is sometimes though and you know every once in a while i have to catch myself and i'm like she is still like sort of a you know a, an actor that's like also a musician like I, not so not as bad as like zoe de chanel yeah. or michael sarah or anything but that like michael sarah record get the fuck it's out pretty of here. good get is there, the wait fuck is that real oh yeah michael sarah put out like an earnest indie record and it's good Ernest Hemingway. and he put out an mm. Ernest Hemingway indie record <laughs> have you ever listened to the Steve from Blues Clues album no I did not that album is good Steve from <laughs> Blues Clues is 
have a nice life canon <laughs> that is yeah. true we said everyone has not daddy issues but steve issues because he just abandoned everyone who watched blue Clue, blue's clues it's true yes yeah, steve burns steve burns put out an album in 2003 called songs for dust mites and it's <laughs> real fucking good really this is what michael Sarah's record sounds like he has half a, over half a million monthly listeners on on spotify Dan, you know who he's a big fan of and who he worked with a lot? Your favorite band, The Moldy Peaches. Oh, God. <laughs> it's not far off from that. Find a big fat lady with two or three kids and sit down by her side. You know, for people who like this kind of music, it hits the nail on the head. Yeah, it's fine, but it's, it's better also than like, like stomp clap bullshit. Yeah, that, that song has 35 here, million so. plays. Yeah, because it was a, probably a sync on something. It came out in 2014. I feel that like it came like out Michael way Sarah, earlier that than was, that. That was like peak Sarah. No, I think Sarah peaked before then. When did the Michael Sarah album actually come out? I feel like that's way too late. I um, tried to watch oh. a Michael Sarah movie the other day. It did come out in 2014. Um, I tried to watch Youth in Revolt. I don't know oh, if God. either of you have ever seen that movie. It. I thought I remember it being good, uh-huh. and I went back to watch it, and I was like, "This is awful." They compared yeah. uh, his record to Elliot Smith, Coconut Records, and Badly Drawn Boy. They're like, "Let's just throw a bunch of shit at the wall uh-huh. and see what uh-huh. sticks." Very funny. I don't know. Yeah, you know, good for him. Uh, I gotta say the I don't like the album art for this record. Yeah. That is Jack Nicholson's grandson. It is, yeah. Um I I prefer my take on it. Yeah. A little better. Her riding on a jet ski with a Taliban uh, soldier? It's, it's it's a it's a pedaling <laughs> swan, like okay. a floating. <laughs> uh but yeah, it it's it's just really weird with the I mean, like the photo was fine. Her sister shot it. I know I her love. sister uh, needs to learn Chuck. how to edit her photos a little bit. I mean, the cover is obviously edited, but like so much of her stuff is just like it gives me like film blogger, Ajita. film Ajita. Yeah, where it's like here's the photo I shot with no correction or retouching at all, like no, you know. Everything's like shot on expired film, so there's like very thin film density and there's no contrast. <laughs> it's very but much that, an aesthetic for sure that a lot of people that try role to emulate. That you, uh, you like, you beat my ass for. I I just they, told they you they that your my role ass was on Instagram. I said your role was <laughs> underexposed. You asked me what was yeah. wrong with it, and I said it was underexposed. But in the comments, you were like making jokes. Well, I don't. I don't even remember what I said. What did I say? You were like hashtag girls who shoot film. <laughs> Oh my god, Dan. <laughs> god. But then because you hashtagged it, I got like art film, like or art ho, like film photographers nice. that like all started following me and they're like, You're brilliant. You're brilliant. This is so good. I was like, I love the way you didn't photo. color correct. The tones. Yeah. This great. is your finest work. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I was doing you a favor. You have to look in between the the grain. They're the like, grain. it's giving I almost Lana said <laughs> But yeah, uh, yeah. Her sister shot a bunch of the stuff for this record, um, but 
I think most of all, what I don't like, like I said, the picture's fine. I think it's cool that, like, I didn't even notice it until I looked at it closely. Like, the background is on fire. And she references in a song that, like, L.A. is burning. Mm. And the coastline is on fire in the photo, if you look closely, which is kind of cool. But I hate yeah. the the weird font choice. Like, the comic book... I don't like that either. Wham, yeah. Yeah. Boom, it's a weird slam, comic book... Uh, Exploit, you know, exponent kind of thing is so weird and feel like such a departure, you know? Yeah, and it doesn't because like you think of Norman Rockwell, you don't think of like a comic book. You know, yeah, but I guess like by saying Norman fucking Rockwell, it's like you're taking Norman Rockwell. This like mm-hmm. you know he was he was like a normie kind of right. He was like a normie illustrator. Like he was the, he was the top guy. Yeah, when it comes to like illustrations, and he's you know very like idyllic americana and by being like norman fucking rockwell yeah well, it like, should have been called roy fucking Liechtenstein, you know with that kind of <laughs> with that font with yeah that font. <laughs> yeah but yeah now i can't think of norman rockwell without that picture the the freedom of speech meme that's yeah. everywhere now <laughs> what about the yassified one i kind of i don't i don't one. think i've seen the yassified <laughs> one oh it's good uh, send it to me and i'll put it in the image uh the carousel <laughs> for this episode you know i and i think i I think this record is accurately scored on Pitchfork. Really? It's like 9.5. I when I looked at that, I was so excited cuz I I mean I I think that's exactly what I would say. Really? I feel like that's uh, high. But she's been like a Pitchfork darling for like a long time, right? This is you know, I'm looking somebody up her, fully like, realized as reviews an now. Somebody who, somebody who's an artist who makes enough money to like really just be able to be an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who I also talk shit about. <laughs> Born the Die got a five point five. It's just like oh. it, it made. Okay, so I was listening to also I was new listening to a podcast about it earlier just to see if there's maybe something i missed and someone it was a really i had to turn the podcast off because it was so annoying but something that they said early on was when they had heard that record for the first time they were like is this like a urban outfitters funded like psyop basically <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think i was working at urban outfitters when it came out so this is the highest rated wanda ray record uh the new record also got best new music but it got an 8.3 but I think at 9.4 is like unheard of. Remember, didn't Pitchfork give the new Fiona Apple a 10? I feel like that doesn't, in hindsight, I think it was a little over, overhyped. Yeah, I, it's one of those that like you listen to it once, you don't really have to listen to it again. <laughs> it's an experience. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, a good movie that's like hard, you know, hard to take in. It's like, oh, I get it. I never need to see it I again, mean, but I get it. I'd watch Most- it on a plane if it was like the only thing. <laughs> Most of these records get really good, like very favorable reviews. Because no one's doing Chemtrails like is a seven point five. I do love Chemtrails. I, I haven't listened. I to like it, the but song I like the Chemtrails. Name. I haven't listened to the whole record, but I think Ultraviolence is a seven. I think Erica, when we used to do the the playlist for the old pod, I think you put it on one of the playlists, and that's like where I listen to it. Chemtrails over the country. Club. Yeah. Yeah, that's like one of those. She's just, she's really. I think we can all agree she's really good at opening up an album. She does like the. She's a good song. She uses good song titles. I think. Um, yeah. I funny enough, I don't think I like it when she swears. 
That's the whole thing. I think it's unbecoming for a lady to swear. Get the fuck out of here. No, but it's funny because like we talked about it on the last pod with um, Dan's looking for a trad wife. <laughs> I just think ladies shouldn't cuss. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, but we were talking about um, fucking Jenny Lewis and we we're like, wow, it's so satisfying when she swears, you know, because mm. it is a little it comes out of left field a little bit, you know? It just feels real. Yeah. Like, when Taylor Swift said the, the F word, it was like, oh my god. Oh, that was very painful. <laughs> didn't feel good. But, you know, it's it, it just... It's interesting. I don't know. It was even funnier when Taylor Swift used an Asian accent to make fun of Ice Spice on Town. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> People forgot, though. I don't know. <laughs> we did talk about this on the podcast. It's crazy how much Town has... Uh, bled into the zeitgeist and has had world rippling repercussions <laughs> it's unreal my sister had a really good come town observation where she said just when you're about to tap out and turn it off keep pushing for like another five minutes because that's where you find the gold mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's boy. like gambling you always quit right before right you before you the, it's the meme of the guy uh digging with the, with diamonds. the gold the diamonds yeah. <laughs> And he's like turning away all dejected, uh-huh. and then there's the other guy that's like very like feverishly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man, I think I'm I think I'm out of notes. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it's getting pretty tired in here. Yeah. But um, <laughs> uh, this has been a, a, a blast getting the getting the gang really back has. together for one last score. You know, it really has. This uh, is our Bane reunion show. <laughs> yeah, we we certainly <laughs> pulled be another story. one in like a year, year and a half or so. As soon as the residuals start. Yep, yep. We'll uh, we'll do a one-off in in <laughs> Costa Rica or something. You know. Yeah. Tompkins Square Park. <laughs> yes, we'll do a live <laughs> pod in Tompkins Square Park. Oh <laughs> uh, well, Erica, what do you got to plug? Um. Well, my music, Sharpell, which you can find on any streaming platform. You do Bandcamp um, Fridays. <laughs> oh, I'm actually not on Bandcamp. I can't figure out how to do Bandcamp. Um, <laughs> so I'm on every platform except Bandcamp. Well, um, I think I think Bandcamp got bad. I think yeah, I think Bandcamp. Have you is, been seeing all the Bandcamp discourse? Yeah, they no. they did all kinds of anti-union bullshit, and I think they're getting rid of Bandcamp Fridays. I don't know what's going on with that. Oh, yeah, scabs. I know they're crossing mm-hmm. the picket line. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm on Instagram at emrakini. Um, I have a show coming up, but probably no one's going to be able to go to that show. You'd be surprised at our reach. It's in Charleston, West Virginia. (laughs) Okay. Oh, hell yeah. On September 17th. Trying to get John Hinckley, honestly, to do this show. Oh, my God. But yeah, that'll be fun. I have one that's coming up in New York eventually. I just don't have a date yet. Apparently, it's going to be on a boat. Oh, that's sick. Which is cool because like no one can leave. Very the implication. The, the implication. <laughs> <laughs> like some sort of P Diddy shrimping vessel. Um, yeah, because uh, I'm like a mega evolved girlfriend. I'm also gonna plug Heavy Set Pawpaws. <laughs> okay, that's your boyfriend's, my boyfriend's band? band, and it's it's pretty good. Have I you like crossed it. over yet? Have you done a a, a crossover experience? It's funny because for the longest time, I thought he had a crush on one of my friends. So I didn't even like 
try it with him. And then one day he was like, we should do a collab. And I was like, sure. So we started chatting and we collabed you know, in other ways. But he actually is on, I think, my two most recent singles. So I have one that's coming out at the end of this week, which this will probably be like way after. But the one, the two, the one that came out in, I guess, May and the one that came out in June. He's he's on not as heavy set pop pause just as himself, but it's nice. Sounds nice. Mm. One he's singing Someone and one he's I like playing knew. guitar in the secret. Do you want to uh, plug your Substack? Yeah, I have so much to plug. I almost forgot about that, even though I kind of plugged it earlier. Um, emrkini.substack.com. Uh, you don't even have to pay for it. All of my articles are free. And I talk about, you know, things that confuse people. So why would you not want to read that? Nice. You can follow me at Dambassini on Twitter and Instagram, dambassini.com. Nova Vitam 10, still available, limited supply. All the other zines, you love it. If you don't have it yet, uh, don't sleep on it because it may be too late. Uh, and yeah, we got shirt. We got shirt up for pre-order. Uh, the pre-order is probably going to run for a few weeks. And, and the pre-order's going going great so far. Oh, it's it's cranking. Like I said, we got it's you know nice cream lettering on a very beautiful navy comfort color shirt. That's garment dyed. That's not your normal shit real real screen printing uh it's it's definitely worth the money we didn't want to put out some bullshit at least not yet it's we'll actually put out some not that later. expensive it's it's also less expensive than your favorite band selling shirts for it's true. at shows it's true and we need the support more than they do because hey, yeah. they're like five dudes and we're exactly two, so exactly andrew has ma- a mouth to feed he's got family He's got other people who rely on him. <laughs> Stop reminding me. Uh, but yeah, so uh, there should be a link in the description. If I did my job right, it will be there. Uh, so you definitely check that out. Buy a shirt. Buy your Mima shirt. Your Papa shirt. Yeah. Uh, Mama and Papa. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think that that's good. Oh, I mean, we got our and the and the patreon oh, go support homo climbtist <laughs> yeah go support mm-hmm. homo climbtist uh, and yeah, don't got, call it the other thing <laughs> we got our patreon as well <laughs> patreon.com slash run to the ground five dollars a month like i said you'll get yourself a nice little uh 10 off discount code with that so that's that's 250 saved right there and is this coming out on the first by chance i don't or no is it coming out i think it's coming out after the first Okay, then never mind. Patrick's episode came out on the first. Patrick right, right, Lyons. Right. Yes, that um, was an amazing episode. Two Patrick's in a row. Very good. Love to see uh, it. it is such a good show. Good episode. Uh, but yeah, patreon.com slash run to the ground. Andrew, what do you got the plug? You, you did it all. I, what I was going to plug was the was the Rose Books Jeff, Jeff Rickley uh, book tour. But That's tomorrow be, as of press time. It'll be oh, up there. Yeah. It will have been six <coughs> days ago yeah. here. So, okay. Well, we all had and fun. It was great. It was all great. Yeah, it was, it was good was to such see a them. Good time. All Love part of the books. running to the ground family. Erica, welcome to the welcome to the family. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, and I guess I'd uh, say you never left. Uh, you could also follow us. I've always been here. Run, <laughs> run to the ground on Instagram. Run in number two, the ground on Twitter. You can follow Andrew at my spro called life. <laughs> Since Andrew doesn't want to speak anymore, I think we did it. What do you think? 
I think we this was it. really fun. This was really you fun. Were, you were so worried. I was worried? Yeah, you kept talking about it all day. I was that worried. I was going to say something insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We might be able to put this one out on the main feed. We did it, guys. Everybody else. <laughs> Good for us. Good for us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.